Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Huge primaries in Georgia and in Alabama. And in no place does it seem like President Trump's endorsement mattered. But I don't know why that's such the the main story. Meaning that if his endorsement made the difference, we'd be talking about how terrible the Republican Party is. Oh, it's all about Trump. But now that the party's clearly not all about Trump, that's also a problem? It's very strange stuff. Now, in Alabama, what makes it about Trump is you've got Mo Brooks, who was a longtime supporter of President Trump, certainly a massive supporter in the House of Representatives, and even got Trump's endorsement as he's running for Senate and running in the Senate primary. But what did Brooks say? We've got to get past the election. we got to look forward. And Trump said, how dare you? Like, in, I guess, in that Greta Thunberg style. How dare you? Pulled his endorsement. When he pulled the endorsement, uh, Brooks is polling at like 11%, 12%. Now uh, Brooks is polling at 28%. But he's still eight points behind other candidates. He's eight points behind Katie Britt. What will happen in Alabama? Don't know. Absolutely no clue. But it's one of the places where, of course, we're keeping our eye. Another place we're keeping our eye is Georgia. you got a couple things going on in Georgia today. First, you've got the primary. And who do you have in that primary? Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker is going to take the Republican nomination. He is ahead of his closest opponent by 55 in terms of the real clear politics average, the last poll, which was 1,066 likely voters with a 2.9 margin of error, that'd be a poll that we would take a look at. It was Walker plus 58. Herschel Walker is getting the nomination. Now, how will he do against, well, uh, name, name your Democrat, the Democrat being Raphael Warnock, the current senator? Well, that's an interesting conversation piece. If you take a look at the amalgam of the last six theoreticals between Walker and Warnock, Walker's ahead by 0.5. That's margin of error. This is going to be a tight race. But now we need to hear Herschel Walker engaged in these conversations with Raphael Warnock. But, of course, that's not the race people are talking about in, in, in Georgia. They're talking about the gubernatorial. They're talking about Brian Kemp and David Perdue. Brian Kemp, the incumbent governor, who Donald Trump despises, despises, didn't do enough about the election, didn't do enough to root out the the evil doing in the state. Okay. That's Trump's take. And got David Perdue to run against him, endorsed David Perdue. The polling, the latest polling... 1,066 likely voters, 2.9 margin of error, has uh, the incumbent Brian Kemp ahead of David Perdue by 14. 
The other big poll in, in, in this, the landmark poll, which is only 500 likely voters and a 4.4 margin of error, that's a poll that if we were still utilizing polling, we would dismiss. We wouldn't, we wouldn't utilize that poll. That has Kemp up by 30. He's up double digits. And who else is Kemp endorsed by? Mike Pence. Oh, yeah. There's a lot to this story, except there isn't. I can't describe this enough. That the idea that you have to have all of Trump's nominees... Otherwise, somehow you're a turncoat or whatever. That's only in Trump world. That's not in the real world. And we only focus in the holy damn real world. All politics are local. You know what they said in Georgia? Things in Georgia are going pretty good. Yeah, you know, Pinewood Studios in Hollywood, they threatened uh, they were going to, you know, leave because of of, of abortion this and they were going to leave because of of voting regulations that oh voting regulations remember when we were told that in georgia all the new uh voting uh rules and voting laws that was going to engage in voter suppression yeah turnout's been massive minority turnout has been massive because they lied well of course they lied all they can do is lie they don't know anything they don't know anything at all. They make it up as they go along. They happily scream and yell about this, that, and the other because it gets them a couple lines of press. It doesn't matter if it's true. They don't give a damn about truth. The Georgia laws did not stop people from voting, more people voting than ever before. That's all there is to it. That's, that's the ball game. But all politics are local. It was Georgia that took in the Hyundai plant just last week, electric vehicles, $5.5 billion. $5.5 billion. You know what that makes you think? Georgia's doing okay. This governor's doing all right. I don't see why we need Purdue. I don't see why we need the fight. Maybe they said to themselves, you know what? Maybe, maybe I, I don't need, I don't need the, uh, I don't need the Trump stuff and we could just win without the Trump stuff and that would be great. Some people want to win without the Trump stuff. I get that. It's why I make the argument as clear as day that I don't need the guy, I need the lessons learned. I don't need him. I'm not angry with him. I don't need him. I need the lessons learned. That is all. I need more people to learn those lessons. I need more of those people to be tough. I need more of those people, you know, um, knowing how to fight. I think that stuff is very important. So watching that gubernatorial race, that's a big one. And then... You head down to Texas. In the Texas race, you have uh, uh, Henry Cuellar. Now, Cuellar is a Democrat. And he is very, very bothered by the border. Because we're not doing enough to secure it. He is in the Texas 28th. 
Now, if you ask me, all right, Tony, where is the Texas 28th? You know where San Antonio is? That's the Texas 28th. That's where he is. And he is up in a primary against Jessica Cisneros. Who in the world is Jessica Cisneros? She is backed by the squad. This is a move from the hard left to get Cuellar out of office because he isn't progressive enough. That's their argument. He actually believes there should be a border and the border should be secured. Not progressive enough has got to go. That's going to be a very, very interesting race. That you could that you could uh, have this, that you could you could find this 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 fight going on, and and they'll argue uh, as Newsweek does, it's a fight for the future of the Democratic Party. Now we should note that today is the runoff because there was less than a thousand votes that separated him. Uh, from uh, Cisneros. Um, and so that was in March, and so this is the runoff election. We're going to find out. We're going to see how radical this Democratic Party is. And I put forth to you that this is a radical Democratic Party. And there are other things going on. It's all about House Bill 1041 in the state of Indiana. This is about transgender children playing in sports. And the General Assembly said, nope, we're not having this. And the governor, Eric Holcomb, vetoed it. Well, today is the day they override. The ACLU is threatening a lawsuit. They've got ads on local websites that say, let kids play. Denying trans girls the right to play school sports is discrimination. Plain and simple. The ACLU, of course, is wrong because no one is denying trans girls the right to play sports. It's just they don't have a right to play against other girls in sports because they're not girls, they're boys. (sighs) That's not me being rude. That's me being honest and actually being protective of young women in sports. I'm going to get more into this. That's a big one, too. There is a lot going on today. And, 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 and in the middle of all of it, you have got Joe Biden just screwing up on the Taiwan question and then letting you know exactly where your economic future is. And that future is in the crapper. I have got those stories. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. bold statement from the president and it was almost immediately walked back by the White House while he continues his trip in Asia. The president saying that he would use the U.S. military to defend Taiwan if China were to invade. But that's not the stated and long-standing U.S. policy of strategic ambiguity necessarily. CNN has learned that President Biden's comments caught some of his top aides 
off guard. This is drawing a sharp response already from China. Is that right? His top aides were caught off guard. Shocking, I say. Shocking that his top aides were like, wait, what is this lunatic even remotely talking about? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. The walking back of his statements on Taiwan. The reason that this matters is that this isn't the first time it's come up. And, of course, the Taiwan conversation is is, is a larger conversation about what we think of of this, this concept, this theory, this philosophy of sovereignty. Is Taiwan really in charge of their future? I would like to think yes. And I would like to think that the United States would actually be there for them if China wanted to fully engulf them again. They've had their autonomy for a great number of years. But China believes in the one China policy. China believes that Taiwan is theirs and is not up for debate. But when Joe Biden is asked, point blank, would the U.S. defend China... Very quickly, you didn't want to get involved in the Ukraine conflict militarily for obvious reasons. Are you willing to get involved militarily to defend Taiwan if it comes to that? Yes. You are? That's the commitment we made. That's the commitment we made. We are not, look, here's the situation. We agree with a one-China policy. We signed on to it and all the attendant agreements made from there. But the idea that that it could be taken by force, just taken by force, is just not is just not appropriate. It will dislocate the entire region. How else would it be taken if not taken by force? Now, someone had asked me earlier, does that mean you think shots will be fired? It could be taken without shots being fired. I agree with that, but it will still be taken by force. Of course it's going to be force. But what biden did in this conversation was not engage what we utilize the, the terminology utilizes strategic ambiguity he was not ambiguous he caused alarms for china now i don't mind causing an alarm for china i don't mind punching china in the mouth i mind this from secretary lloyd austin uh, Courtney, as the president said, uh, our one, t- uh, pin- one China policy has not changed. Uh, he uh, reiterated that policy and our commitment to peace and stability across, uh, across the Taiwan Strait. Uh, he also uh, uh, highlighted our commitment under the Taiwan Relations Act uh, to help uh, provide Taiwan uh, the means to defend itself. So again, our policy has not changed. But why in the world was it necessary for you to walk this back at all? Why does this happen so many times where you see the president's words being walked back in this administration? I go back to March and this statement from uh, from Dana Perino, Fox News, and this is when uh, Biden had said about Vladimir Putin, dear God, this man cannot be allowed to stay in power. This was Dana Perino talking to Larry Kudlow on Fox Business. And I, and I said then, I think this is the best understanding of the situation and the problem that the Biden administration has uh, ever. Listen. 
It was from the heart, and the White House took less than 10 minutes to get walkbacks <laughs> to reporters. Seriously, there's, a, uh, there's White House reporters that had walked the walkback from five different aides within 10 minutes. You've worked at a White House. Do you think that the communications team was able to go to the president after his speech in Poland and say, Mr. President, you just said these nine words. Did you mean to say those? Mm -hmm. And if he says, yes, I did, then you deal with it. I don't think they asked him. So now wow. he's in this position Even where we worse. have weakened the president on the world stage, and maybe he shouldn't have said what he said. But then he said, but then I think they go a step further when they say he's speaking in his personal capacity. That is ridiculous. This is a speech on the world stage, the most important speech so far of Biden's in Poland, in on the world stage where everybody's watching the adversaries, your allies, your military, your moms and dads. And at the end, you say this line, and then the White House tries to say he was speaking in his personal capacity. Mm -hmm. Do you remember when they said that about Rochelle Walensky of the CDC? Yes. When she yes. said that about the schools? You, you're not allowed to do that when the backdrop says CDC and you're speaking in front of it. That is not your personal capacity. It's so beyond perfect. It, I, I've kept it. That's how good that understanding is. And remember, she spends her time as White House press secretary. And Larry Kudlow spent his time as economic advisor to Trump. And even Larry Kudlow's just like, whoa, you're absolutely right. You undercut the president without asking the president, which now once again happening because they walked this back so quickly. Who is in charge? Who's in charge? Because it is very obvious from the continued walkbacks. And by the way, this isn't the first time he said this about Taiwan. And I support Taiwan. That's not the argument. It's that if they keep walking it back, why would anybody in Taiwan believe that, that uh, the United States has their back? And why would China believe it? This is about what they're doing to the president of the United States. Because the president of the United States is not in charge of his own messaging. Someone else is. Someone else is. That's the story. That's what makes it so dangerous. That's why it's so problematic. Also problematic, Davos. Andrew Lawton was out there, a longtime friend, a Canadian radio host, uh, True North Center there in Canada. Well, he was in Davos taking a look at what the globalists were doing talk to him next keep it here this is tony cox today uh, you can count on that all right you're gonna hit both what's your calculus right now on a potential run in 2024 you know, I've said over and over again, I really want to focus on finishing out my term. I promised the people of Maryland that's what I would do this job until the end. And I have this day job until next January. And after that, there's still plenty of time to think about what the future might look like. If Trump ran, would you be more likely to run? You know, I think I'm going to make my own decision independent of that. But it certainly wouldn't uh, wouldn't scare me off from running. I think who in the world is voting for Larry Hogan? I, I don't even think Mrs. Hogan's voting for Larry Hogan. Larry Hogan's the governor of Maryland. What's, what's his... Uh, what in the world is his constituency? That'd be like saying, you know, Eric Holcomb's going to run for president, or Jeb Bush, or 
Well, Jeb might actually run. You never know. You never know whether he's going to run for president. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. He was talking to CNN there from Davos. I mean, that's, that's all you, that's all you need. This, that's it. Uh, I, I think it's funny. And I, and I think the, the constant talk about Trump is just well too much. Way too much. What's Trump's effect of this? What's Trump's effect on that? What about his endorsement? Is he losing his touch? Everyone just calm down. I have no idea. No clue whatsoever. Whether Trump's endorsement means anything or not. I think that people appreciate it. I think they still have to run their race. And all politics are local. Just like I've been discussing. And we've got, of course, you know, uh, as we were talking about, these primaries taken everywhere. Taking place everywhere. But what about some of the other people? Like this shot chaser from Stacey Abrams, who she said this just two days ago. We're talking about the Democrat from Georgia, the one they put in Star Trek as the president of Earth. That's a true story. She played the part of the president of Earth. She did. It was it was silly. Uh, like, like she's a model. Like she's a superstar. She's not a superstar. Does a superstar go full Joe Biden and say this? I am tired of hearing about being the best state in the country to do business when we are the worst state in the country to live. I'm tired of hearing we're the best state in the country to do business when we're the worst state in the country to live. Your Democratic nominee, most probably, for governor in Georgia, Stacey Abrams, everybody. And then she goes on with Joy Reid uh, to, uh, to give the mea culpa and the walk back. I, I think it was an artfully delivered. Uh, my point was a point that I've made many times, and my passion in making this point is important because we are listening to Brian Kemp Give a, give narrative about a record that does not reflect reality. Um, that's not much of a walk back, is it? You've made many times. Is it? Is it somebody else's fault for noticing? You said Georgia's not the best place to live. You called it actually the worst place to live. Weird. Why would Hyundai put five point five billion dollars? Billion dollars into a place that's a bad place to live. Uh, they wouldn't, uh, for the record. They wouldn't. And what about all of the, uh, all of the, uh, the, the protests? That they're going to get rid of the, get move the All Star Game because because you are 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 oppressing people and suppressing the vote. More people voted than ever. More minorities voted than ever. There's no voter suppression at all taking place at least from the side of this legislation but they all made the claim claim after claim after claim after claim about uh, a voter suppression from this legislation you mean you can't give people a bottle of water while they're in line mm, yeah you can't give people a bottle of water tell them to bring their own damn water What's, what's wrong with you? Why is it somehow necessary to bring these people a bottle of water? 
Like, it's the only thing that matters. Gotta have a bottle of water. You'll die without it, I tell you. You'll just die. Pathetic. But lying was, was always part of the plan. Here's a lie. Stacey Abrams is a talent. Stacey Abrams is not a talent. She's made herself some money. But the idea that somehow she is this great politico and people should adore, what has she done? What has she actually done? Accomplished. The only thing she accomplished so far is losing to Brian Kemp and then refusing, refusing to take responsibility for the loss. She won't even concede. So when she challenges an election result, that's because, you know, that it's, I don't know, she's brave and it's, it's, it's standing up. But when, when uh, Trump does it, it's because he's uh, a coward and small and this, that. If you lose, you lose. I would argue, at least in Trump's case, he has more reasons to be pretty upset. Because Pennsylvania should never have happened, and weird stuff did happen in Georgia. Weird stuff happened in Georgia. It's, 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 it's okay to say. It's very okay to say. I don't know why these people uh, seem opposed to just rational conversation. Meanwhile, Joe Biden wants you to know that his policies, oh, they're, they're, they're good policies. This is going to be a haul. This is going to take some time. But in the meantime, it seems to me the best thing I can do, in addition to try to get the, uh, the, uh, the, the Middle Eastern countries, including uh, OPEC, to raise the production of oil and move along that route, is to see to it that we continue to grow our economy not worry about your own energy security. Get OPEC to do more. More reliance. It's just not who we are. It's not how Americans think. So why does he keep doing this? Why does he keep doing this? Because he's not good at what he does. Just like Stacey Abrams. But they both managed how to figure out how to make some money. I mean, even even uh, Joe's son figured out how to sell some art. Amazing how that works. This is Tony Katz today. Tony.com.